So the big question is this, how these entrepreneurs who started from scratch and had no idea how to sell or market their products or services online and then later on made over six figures, seven figures, eight figures or even nine figures became best in their niches and found their dream customers to sell. My name is RJ Ahmed and find this all out on our interviews with entrepreneurs show where I interview all these entrepreneurs and try to pick their brain on how they actually did all of that and how they took their business as well as their life to the next level. This podcast is all about the entrepreneurs who strive so hard to become super awesome in their niches. Welcome to Interviews with Entrepreneurs. Welcome to Interviews with Entrepreneurs show where we interview entrepreneurs who are super awesome in their niches. And guys, we are back again with an amazing guest on our show. So, you know, this guest particularly, you know, have done like so, so many things out there in so many different sort of, you can say like either departments or like different sort of, you know, kind of the world we are in right now. So like this man have like started and managed a lot of different sort of businesses out there and it generated over hundred million dollar in revenue across different products, different services across a wide range of, you know, the whole market itself. Not only that, he have, you know, managed thousands of employees out there, worked in different sort of areas like small businesses, big businesses, even in governmental institutions as well, you know, which, which is crazy. And like, he's one of those people out there who knows potentially most of the problems you know that most people face in general and he knows how to solve it as well either it's in in person or virtually and like so much more we're going to talk about it as well so please welcome today uh sean Karami. hey sean hi rj how are you i'm good like thank you so much for being on the show today you know what i'm really excited to be here i love your show uh, i love this, this entire concept of talking to people and seeing how exactly they went from from you know, nothing to somewhere where they're happy, you know, somewhere loudly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's the way I look at it. And so I'm, I'm very, very excited to be on your show. Well, again, thank you so much. Uh, so like, could you like walk us through your backstory? You know, you've been in the space for, you know, a lot longer, you know, probably more, you know, than, than my age at the moment. So, so like, can you like walk us through like how everything started for you particularly? Yeah, you know, um, I always thought I was going to just run my own business. Um, and the reason for that is that uh, I'm an immigrant from Iran. Back in Iran, my dad had a construction company. And as with any developing country, the, the building of that infrastructure is a is a very lively business. Um, there's a lot behind it. And so my dad created his own construction company. And as a you know, seven, eight-year-old kid going to a construction site and getting to go all over these um these big bulldozers and, you know, walking on top of them yeah. and stuff like that. You know, that was very exciting to me. And I always thought, hey, you know what? I'll get into this same thing. I loved it. I loved it. Um, he had to migrate from Iran to, to the U.S. Uh, because of the Iranian revolution. And so my dad was never really able to uh, reconstruct his business in the U.S. I mean, as you might imagine, a 45, 50-year-old guy, you know, going to a completely different place, different language, different everything. Uh, but he did manage to get his hands on um, a few very small income properties. Mm-hmm. And so even though I always thought, you know, yeah, I'm going to go start my own business and I'm going to get into you know, construction. I never actually got into construction. Um, what ended up happening, and again, I, I always thought I would, I would just own my own business. I would do my own thing. Uh, 
but the the start of it was actually quite by accident. And uh, someone on your show, actually, as I was listening to her show, I, I got reminded of it was um, I want to say Myron Golden, um, who said, mm. "Yeah, you know, yeah. he kind of accidentally got into it." And I did too. I, the only thing I was doing doing was I was trying to help my dad because he was having a really bad time with these couple of little properties that he had um, at the time. Uh, it, it didn't make sense to bring professional management into into something like that. It, there just wasn't a market for it. So what I ended up doing, uh, personal computers were coming into homes. Um, I constructed a very basic, and I mean very basic. Back then, a personal com computer, the entire hard drive had two megabytes of memory, okay? So a very basic, uh, uh, yeah, a very basic database program and a system for managing, for marketing, for, for dealing with tenants and all of that stuff, the repairs that had to be done. My dad ended up being so happy with it. It took so much off of him that he said to me, this is when I was 16 years old. He says to me, hey, you know what? I have some friends that are in the same boat, uh, you know? Uh, and so can you, can you go talk to them and help them out? And that's how it started. Um, I always believed in formal education at the same time, even though as life has gone on and time has gone on, what I've noticed is you don't need formal education to be successful in business or in life. Uh, but I just liked it. I liked that kind of cramming of information into my brain. And I also need to understand an overview of things, like even at a theoretical level, to be able to properly manage myself in any environment. That's just I. So I ended up giving up business. Um, I sold it. I went to um, I went to college. I got degrees in mathematics, in computer programming, in economics. Um, I um, also got a law degree. Since then, I've had formal education in um, marketing, sales, and accounting. And if you look at all those things kind of together, they kind of match up to all the things I needed to sort of run a business, right? All the things in the background that you need, the kinds of information you need. So I sort of gathered all that together. Yeah. And, and 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 moved along um and and frankly during uh college i you know while my friends and everybody was you know they were applying to different things looking at how their resume would look like it was just never a thought in my head i always knew that's that i would just go you know hang out my own shingle and start start my own business and it wasn't actually till uh recently that i was talking to my wife and i said you know I mean, this is within the last couple of years. For the first time, I realized something. I said, you know, um, I've never done a resume. Um, I've done bios, but I've never done a resume. I've never worked for a company that, um, meaning I've never received a W-2 from a company that I haven't had ownership interest in. Um, so, <clears throat> so over time, what happened was I, I, I would get into a business and then I'm an assembly line guy. Uh, so what happens is, uh, I'll look at different processes um, and uh, want to make them better as I'm running a business, you know, making them streamlined, making them more efficient. And every time I would look at these processes was a, was a potential for another business. So I'll give you an example. I, I ran a business that used a lot of medical records and medical archiving, um, you know, th those systems, uh, summarizing, getting, you know, dealing with all that. So... <clears throat> I started looking at that process because it was very costly to my business and it was it was very inefficient and had all kinds of stuff. And I ended up forming my own um, medical archiving, medical records business. Um, and then I went and uh, marketed it to my own competitors. 
because I knew they were having the same problem. And the way I marketed it, I said, I know you're having this problem. I know what the problem is because I run the same business. Um, yeah. Obviously, there were some questions as to how you get someone like that to adopt because they're your competitor to, to actually purchase from you. But that's what I, I would constantly do that. And then with that business, I went and looked at other businesses that could use similar services. And then I created different forms of, of different services that would serve other industries. That business became a big business than the, than the business that actually inspired it. Um, so <clears throat> that was always very common with me to, um, to go and do something like that. And it, what it caused is one, I became a serial entrepreneur, um, you know, uh, having started multiple businesses, but also, um, running multiple businesses at one time. Um, mm, that became yeah. something that I, I did and I do still today. Uh, at any one time I, I'm running, you know, three, four five businesses at, at one, at one point, uh, at one time. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I use different teams for different things, but that's, that's a typical way that I operate. That's just the way I do things. Mm, you know, that that's really interesting out there. And, uh, you know, one thing that you, first of all, like mentioned around, like how you got into the business was kind of like, sort of like, you know, accidental and it is uh, relatable for me personally as well, because it was accidental for me even to like get started in the space. I haven't got admission in the university. I was doing nothing, you know, getting taunted uh, because, you know, my cousin got the admission. So I was like, you know, I was typically free. So I saw an ad and then I went through it particularly. And, you know, as you mentioned, there was like different set of business models you were in and you were doing like multiple things at a single time as well by having a great team. What was the main foundations particularly that were kind of like the same, regardless of whatever the, you know, business that was initially. So what was the main foundation there was initially for that? So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go about it a little bit. Um, I'll answer that question this way. Uh, what I do right now is I joint venture with different uh, small and medium sized businesses, SMBs um, that yeah. and and what we do is it's not it, it's not consulting necessarily. What we do is actually form a venture where we take the risk with the with the SMB, with the partner. We become a partner in the business or we form a new business that we become a partner with. And I can give examples um, and then move that along. Um, and, and a lot of it is because I believe in taking the risk with the client. Yeah. And, and also because what happens is, is exactly what, what you just mentioned. Some of these things that are foundational. So to, in today's world, okay. What, what I look at as I'm looking at any, any business, I will see several different things, right? I will look at sales channels. Um, I will look at, um, uh, uh, and uh, that. And I look just the supply chains. I look at those three areas because when I look at any SMB, they are generally lacking in one or all of those areas. Um, and one or all of those areas is common when I look at the businesses I look at, right? One thing that's happened over the last 20 years is that sales channels have proliferated, right? When, when you were a small business 20 years ago, 25 years ago, you basically went and you started a store, okay? And then, and then you sold within a geographic location um, and you had very limited sales channels, 
um, that, and until you grew and, and you became a much bigger business. In today's world, that's not true. There's been a proliferation of marketplaces, for example. If you're into selling any brand, there are literally marketplaces springing up on a daily basis almost. And so, you know, it's, yeah. not, it's not just like getting on something like Amazon or Walmart. There's Etsy and there's the other one. And if you're, depending on what industry you're in, there's all kinds of opportunities. And what we do now is work with certain clients. They have so many articles on their own website. We say, hey, you know what? It might be a good idea to have a marketplace, to go to some of these and form partnerships where you can offer space on your, on your website, on your selling practice platform for their um, for, for their products and so the, the proliferation of sales um, channels has changed the whole landscape there and so one thing that happens is businesses are either uh, they're both a lot of times overdoing the sales channels and underdoing it I'll explain how what what happens is they will be in not either not enough of the right sales channels and they'll be on some of the wrong ones for their business, right? Some of the ones that, that are tougher, maybe don't work for them very well, or not, not the best thing for their business. Um, and so that in itself becomes an entire area to focus on. We have entire teams that, that actually work on, you know, that aspect of it. Then I mentioned cur current customers. Yeah. SMBs, by and large. And this is something, again, common. You said, what, what's a common thread? What do you focus on? Where, where, what are, I mean, I, I think what you're looking at is some of the fundamentals that are there. I look at these things as fundamentals as well. What happens with SMBs in general is that they are almost uniquely focused on new customer acquisition, right? That's the way they grow. That's the way they grow their sales is give me more new customers, right? What they don't do is take advantage of the customers that they already have, that, that have already purchased their product or service. Okay, And by take advantage, I mean they don't do upsells, cross-sells. They don't do subscription programs. They don't create MRRs for themselves, monthly re recurring revenues for themselves. And so they're constantly, and this, you know, any marketing person will tell you, the most expensive marketing you can do is marketing for new customers is much more expensive yeah. than marketing to your current customers, right? And so one area where, where SMBs lack is they're constantly going after, after new customers. And if we have time, I, I have a very good example of that one. And then the other place, um, so, so <clears throat> what I do is um, I'll, I'll, I'll um, you, you know, the, these are some of the things that, that, uh, that I go over and I have different sayings for different portions of them, but for logistics, I use I, I kind of stole a quote from um, General Eisenhower, right? And he said that battles, campaigns, and even wars um, are primarily won and lost uh, by logistics. Okay, many of them are like that. I will add your business to that. Um, logistics is somewhere where uh, and supply chains. I put those kind of together for SMBs, particularly they're very t uh, very uh, interrelated. But logistics. Can, <clears throat> I apologize for my voice here, but can can make or break your business. And it's something that SMBs typically don't even look at. And I have um, some examples of that, that even with sophisticated businesses where you see how they, they actually don't uh, concentrate on those things. 
the other things that that I always tell people, and this this is again fundamental. <clears throat> your your product is not your business, but your business is your product. Okay. Yeah. Very important. Your product is not your business. That, that and and the, the way this typically comes up, a prime example is in professional services, like an accountant, a lawyer, a doctor, right? When you ask them, what's your business? What business are you in? The doctor says, well, I'm in the business of healing people. That's my business. Okay? That is not your business. That is the product that you're providing. That is the service that you're providing, but it's not your business. Your, 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 the, the product that you're giving the world is your, is your entire business. Okay? They kind of look at these things in reverse. You have to look at your, your entire business and say, okay, this is the product I'm giving the world. How, how your staff uh, treats people, how appointments are made, what exactly happens inside your office, what kind of, uh, what kind of um, um, healthcare are you providing, exactly what that experience is for, for, that, for patients that you have. All of that stuff is the product that you're giving. So <clears throat> your business is your product, but your product is not your business. The, the, and, and fundamentally also, what, what, what people do is they, they fail in budgeting. Um, so, and, and this is something that comes up. They underspend again and overspend at the same time. So I always say, run a tight budget, but don't be cheap, okay? Mm -hmm. And so, and so and, and it's very important. So what happens is they overspend in certain things that they should be spending on, which means they're not writing, running a tight budget, but at the same time, they know to certain things. They don't take certain risks that they need to be doing. So they may they may under underspend on marketing a lot of times. When times get tough, they immediately cut cut out marketing, which is you know a mistake uh, that, that that is made. You you shouldn't you should, marketing should not be the first thing you cut uh, when you want to try to budget. Um, so some of those things are the fundamentals I look at when I'm looking at a business in order to partner up. And so, and, and what I concentrate on when I start my own business. Hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, one thing that you mentioned around that is, you know, the product is not the business, but the business is a product, you know, that particular framework is, is, you know, you know, is something out there most people just don't understand you know they, they think about like what their service is is the best you know they just make it confusing and not make yeah. it easier to understand to other people out there like what what is actually granted so as you mentioned around like you you know mostly do jvs with you know small and me medium businesses out there what is actually you find is the number one mistake people make while doing jvs out there because joint venture is something out there people do probably everywhere you know because they want to leverage other people's audiences and uh, you know all of those things out there giving value like getting value both so like what do you see is the number one mistake if you list down only one while doing jvs most people do either reaching out or it could be anything yeah um i would say the primary um mistake that they do is they don't look at whether they're getting into the right partnership um whether there's there's a match with the types of skills and services you're bringing in and the type that you're taking in in terms of what what the joint venture partner has that's a that that i see as a, as a huge mistake that i see all the time people make so a lot of times when when we're talking just yesterday um i was talking to um one of my friends um which by the way 
a very typical way I, I enter into joint ventures is, is you know, I, I know someone, they come to me because they've seen me do something, either good or bad, by the way, failure or, 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 or success. And they say, hey, you know what, I have this other thing. Can, can you help me with this? And so I was talking to my friend and I said, but this is not typically the way, the, the thing that we um, look at and we invest in. Um, and, and he could not understand that. He's like, but but I'm showing growth like this. I'm doing this, the other. I said, yeah, but that you're, you're missing the point is is that we, the, the teams that we have that, that, that can actually service this kind of business uh, and they're, they're running a SaaS, okay? So the, they would not run this kind of SaaS. The way you guys are dealing with um, your, your, um, your growth is something that we fundamentally don't believe in. We, uh, I'm not saying you won't be successful. I don't, I don't like that method of doing it. Um, and so, you know, it's very important to look at exactly what those, what those fits are because very quickly you can run, run into a lot of, a lot of problems. The other thing is, which is kind of correlated with this, is what level of flexibility are you seeing, right? A lot of times entrepreneurs say, hey, you know what? I started this business. This is the product. <clears throat> this is what the market needs. This, you know, blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> and they're very inflexible in terms of making changes there. You, you kind of remind them, it's like, well, Amazon started as a bookstore for the love of God, right? <clears throat> that's, that's not exactly where... By the way, Google didn't start as some big search engine that that you know where you can do PPC marketing and all this stuff on. That's not what they were planning on doing, and so that that level of flexibility is incredibly important to in order to adjust your product to what the market will do. Because your opinion of your product is not not equal to the market's opinion of the of the product, and so you have to be able to make adjustments. And make big changes a lot of times. Um, like I said, Amazon is a perfect example. You know, they started wanting to bring books. They wanted to be a bookstore online. That's what it was. Look at what they are now. So, you know, you have to uh, have that level of flexibility. And I look for that in terms of any founder that I deal with. Um, and this was includes my friend because I, I sat there and I said, well, you know, you're being a little bit emotional about the product. It's not at all my, my, you want to do the product the way you want to do it. That's up to you, but <clears throat> that's not something that we can do. So I apologize for my voice, by the way. I, I'm, I'm having some trouble with it, but <laughs> hopefully we'll get through this. <laughs> I think you're on um, mute, Arjun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so one thing that you mentioned, uh, which is kind of like... Uh, kind of interesting around what most people don't understand around JVs is like they just don't know the type of people they move ahead and represent you know any person you're associating yourself is something is your representation out there in the marketplace it could it could be in any shape or format and uh, being flexible is also like you know one of the key points that you that you really mentioned around that which is which is really amazing one thing that I know about you and you you talk about it a lot is everything is a negotiation you know, you can win anything out there. And, I, and uh, you know, that something reminded me that from Grant Cardone, particularly what he says, you know, no is also an interest, you know. So that is also an interest out there that can be changed later on. So you mentioned about like, you know, everything in life is negotiable. Could you talk us like a little bit about that as well? 
Yeah, I mean, what I noticed, you know, that there was a time where people would say, "Hey, you know, can you negotiate this deal?" or "Or how do you negotiate this and the other?" And and um, or when it's time to start negotiating X, then can we do Y? Right? And after after it took me a little while to understand this, but what what I started telling people is, it's always a negotiation. You're always negotiating. And so uh, the, what, what you're, for example, you know, you, you're sitting there and, and that, that example of, oh, it's not time to negotiate this loan right now. It's like, no, you're always doing it. You're always setting it up for wh whether you're going to be negotiating it, how you're going to be positioning yourself. Every inter exchange you have with someone is positioning yourself or positioning them. And if, by the way, if you're not doing that, you're missing out. Because I'm telling you, they are doing it. Um, so what, what happens is um, every time that there is a um, there is any sort of a, a movement anywhere, you're always negotiating something. So, RJ, did I lose you there? I think we lost our connection. Um but anyway, I, I will continue going in case it's, it's our, our connection is still live. But that's that's a very important thing, and it's it's a place where I notice that people lose um, lose a lot of um, uh, what they're doing uh, because they're not always thinking that there's going to be a negotiation that you're negotiating. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Now, if you're someone who wants to interview these super successful entrepreneurs so that you can build multi-million dollar network alongside leveraging their audience as well, I've created a script that allowed me to book over $1 billion plus worth of entrepreneurs on my show and you can get it free for now. So just go to billiondollarscript.com and it's billiondollarscript.com and don't forget to leave a 5-star review and I will see you guys in the next one.